You're listening to the oneofus.net podcast network. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of Us needs and appreciates all your support. Do you love sci-fi, horror, and fantasy films? Then grab a badge for Otherworlds Film Festival, the country's premier sci-fi film festival. There will be Q&As, panels, parties, and mixers. Rub elbows with up-and-coming and established filmmakers, as well as like-minded filmgoers. Come celebrate our seventh year, December 3rd through 6th, at the Galaxy Highland in Austin, Texas. Badges are now for sale at otherworldsfilmfest.com. That's otherworldsfilmfest.com. Lake of Death. I didn't know how else to start this one, quite frankly. <laughs> That's it. I was like, I'll just say it weird. Lake of Death. I know one of you guys can do that better than me. Luane? Lake of Death. Ooh, that is good. Man, I got the chills there. Adrian? I was going to do that later because that sounds like a VHS title, like an 80s oh, yeah. Lake of Death. Like. That type of VHS horror. Don't you think that was entirely intentional? Absolutely. Because <laughs> this Norwegian film, which is coming out on Shudder, from what I'm told, rather big deal with the company that put this out, because this was not considered to be a small feature at all in Norway. It was a pretty big deal. Everything about this movie screams, man, I love 80s horror. Down yeah. to directly calling out specific elements from horror films. That rare occasion of a film that goes, I know what horror movies are, and we've I've seen horror movies, and I know what, what to do and what not to do, but never in a way that makes this film try to be meta. Yeah, it, it doesn't go all the way meta, but it, it name drops a bunch of stuff, and it uses its version of images of other things you've seen and i honestly could swear at like 43 minutes in you could actually hear the ch -ch 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 of friday the 13th <laughs> i would not I, be surprised the friday the 13th imagery is unmissable this is clearly somebody tipping a hat all the way till their brains fall out basically no that sounds like i don't like this movie i do like this movie what it is, is it's directed and written by Nini Bull Rob Sam, who also wrote and directed the apparently well-thought-of 2014 film Amnesia. I have not seen that. This was shot on 35mm with Academy Award-winning editor Bob Murawski, who I believe won for The Hurt Locker, but has worked extensively with Sam Raimi up until just recently when he did the Ash vs. the Evil Dead TV series, but did Army of Darkness, all three Spider-Man films, Drag Me to Hell. Lead actress Iben Ackerley plays Lillian in this film. And she's one of those people with a shit ton of credits. I know I've seen a film of hers or two, because immediately it was like, I have seen her in something, but I'll be damned if I can remember which one of those things it was, even looking at IMDb. But let me just say, before we go into the plot here, even, this is interesting because this is a remake of a movie that's considered to be a pretty big deal. In 1958, this horror film called Lake of the Dead came out in Norway. It was a monster hit 
in Europe. Kind of abstract Carnival of Lost Souls type vibe to it, I'm told. Itself was based on a popular novel over there published in 1942, which was based on an even earlier urban legend horror story that had been going around that no one quite knows the exact origins of from what I've been as near as I could find out. So this thing has got a huge history and it's the first version of it that's been made since the original version, which like I said, was a big deal and in fact is the film credited with being the first Norwegian made horror film in and of itself. Itself. And starting really a history of horror after that in Norway is a lot of Norwegian horror movies out there. So that was made me go, okay, the fact that they've gotten some big names. I, I didn't even mention the composer is by an Oscar nominated and three-time Emmy winner, John Debney. So they were not fucking around with trying to make a film that was going to be a wide release film for that part of the world, even if here it just gets dropped on shutter. But that's interesting to me because this is a movie 100% for people who speak the language of the horror films that it is taking from, that it's tributing, like I said, it's trying to pay tribute to. There's a fine line between that and ripping off, I suppose. But this is somebody who clearly loves all these 80s horror films. And it spends the whole movie trying to decide if it's more in love with The Evil Dead or Friday the 13th. Mm -hmm. It vacillates, but that's the tension. Is it just a regular killer? Or is it a supernatural killer? Well, I like to say you can't have it both ways, but this movie likes to. Lillian, lead actress, and some friends travel back to the this remote cabin by this lake where her twin brother, as we saw in an opening scene, had disappeared, presumed dead last year. And soon after they get there, really weird shit starts happening. The lead girl starts having these hallucinatory sequences of lots of the very traditional black goo dreams. Black goo coming out of taps, black goo coming out of people's eyes. Is she crazy? Because you get the impression maybe she's a little crazy. We know she sleepwalks, and anybody with a twin who's disappeared is probably crazy in a horror movie. This tries to have it all, and I think the one place it absolutely succeeds is how really gorgeously shot it is. It's a mixed bag for story. Adrian here, back again at yet another horror movie. Surprise, surprise. Shocker. I do think that we both realize that this is taking a lot of influences from 80s horror. But I think I was thinking of different type of influences. For the first, I'd say, half of the movie, I was getting this kind of nostalgic feeling of late career Argento and the kind of like late 80s, early 90s Italian horror where it was starting to feel more like trashy American horror to the point where one of the characters even makes a reference to the Stendhal syndrome, which... I don't think was on accident at all. Like that had no, to be a call I can't to imagine it was. the Argento film. They also reference out loud a Nightmare on Elm Street, Evil Dead, Misery, and right. Cabin Fever. So. But I was I was <laughs> feeling it more so like, oh, this kind of feels like a semi-trashy Italian film in the sense that it has the horror tropes, but it's also really, really, really pretty. It is. That's one thing it has going for it more than anything else is it's well shot. And the location in Norway, the lake and all of that, it's great. I mean, like, yeah. visually... Luane, when they said in the movie, oh, the myth is that, like, this guy fell so madly in love with the lake sitting here that he went insane. I was like, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Totally. You talked about all these homages to everything. And I think that's where I started to have a little bit of trouble with it because I wasn't clear what the 
actual threat was, or it really, if there even was a real threat. It all sort of muddied the water for me, as it were. That was unintentional. You mentioned slasher flicks, and then it, it name checks these other movies with cabins, and so then it's like, well, is it supernatural, or is it some weird biological thing that we haven't gotten into? And it, sometimes it seems like the answer is, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's it's. I think that's it, though. I think this movie wants so badly to tribute all those different types of films that the answer is, yeah. It is, because at the ending, I was kind of like, boy, y'all just sort of left it on a, everyone was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. There's a bit where they somehow discover the basement to the cabin through a trap door that apparently the woman whose cabin it was didn't realize was there or didn't recall it was there. And so, of course, now we have to go down there and it's dripping water and they're all looking around for electrical switches. I'm like, maybe don't turn on the electrical in a basement full of water. And, oh, look, this guy just found the crazy journal. Yeah, of course. You, there's no such thing as going to stay at a cabin in the woods without finding a basement that you didn't know at first and without finding some sort of crazy journal. That's par for the course. I mean, I always say, if anybody went camping with me, that's the first thing I'm doing. Let's just get this out of the way and find the basement so we can find the book written in blood and read it out loud. Which, <laughs> by the way, I mean, like, not only is it a very obvious reference to the Evil Dead, just in case you didn't get it, it's also the scene where they basically turn to the camera and say, yeah. Just like in The Evil Dead. Right to it. It's an interesting technique because, like I said, they're never playing anything for meta. There's no humor associated with those references. They're not trying to make that kind of movie. It's not Cabin in the Woods or something like that. They want these characters to be living in the real world. They want you to remember all those movies. They want you to know that this movie is supposed to be a tribute to this director, writer's absolute love of the genre. And that's fine. And I like that in a weird sort of way. I don't know if you could pull this off more than once, but I like that they're like, okay, this is for all of us who loved those movies and I want to do the best job I can doing it, which they certainly pulled out all the stops and trying to do exactly that. As it is, you're like, okay, it definitely feels like a movie that could have come out at some point between 1980 and 1990. Like, there's one point in there, I was like, is this going to go? I thought for sure this was yeah. going to go sleepaway camp for a minute <laughs> yeah. there. Like, there's no twins. It was always, she was both of them or something like that. Cause, and I wouldn't have been surprised if at the last minute they'd gone, oh, wait, that's also true. Well, yeah, but then they, they do the other thing with the pictures at the end. It's almost like it's the opposite thing. That's, I think, where I struggled with this movie. I mean, I stuck with it because it's amazing to look at in, in almost every way. I think that was just part of the problem I had with it was just, what am I watching? Right off the bat, just the way they were dressed even, I was like, this is obviously supposed to remind us of those summer camp movies. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh -huh. they're wearing 70s outfits. Girls are all brawless, wearing those tube tops and stuff. I'm like... Yeah. All right. So I see what's happening here. And it, like you said, it proceeds to sort of reference everything, but I don't think it really ever decides on what kind of movie it wants to be other than the film that's going to remind you of all those other films. It's kind of funny that yeah. this movie has this air of something really big, like a grand scale film, because ultimately what it ends up feeling is like a group of friends got together and just made an homage to all the horror movies that they love. And for that... I really dig it, but I think if you don't fall into that niche of loving horror movies of all types and loving the ones that are kind of exploitative and trashy and just kind of wild, you might not 
get a lot out of this because as a slasher goes there's nothing there for that like the deaths aren't creative it's not fun and when people die it's almost like oh i forgot that they were even really part of this film gore is not an object on this one for sure like they're not interested in making a super bloody like it's not the way that those slashers did it's not all about the kill well it's almost the opposite because there's at least one or two where they're basically off screen yeah i mean in that way it reminded me more of something like let's scare jessica to death yeah which they probably did on purpose. They probably liked that movie too. But anyway, let's go to final thoughts. Luane got us started. This is fine. We've talked about all of the things it does. That probably is going to be the thing that will either make or break this movie for you. You're either all in on, yeah, throw all of this at me, or you're going to be like, man, just pick a lane. And I think that's going to be the thing that, that'll that make a difference. Because as you said, it's not being meta. It's not playing the stuff for laughs or it's not trying to say something. It's literally just, I love these movies and I'm putting them all in. Yeah, it's a love letter. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and so I like it. It looks good. It sounds good. It's technically competent. I mean, you know, you talked about all the high class people that are working on it, right? Although when you were talking about the editing, there's one scene where everybody's fighting around the table and the dark haired guy, it's like he teleports from one side of the table to the other (laughs) between cuts. For all I know, that's intentional. I think that's part of it too, as I was just trying to keep track of what I'm supposed to know or care about. In the end, I like it more than I don't. Three out of five black and white originals that I kind of want to take a look at. Adrian? A common trend in these Shutter films, the Shutter exclusives that we've been seeing, they play into a lot of cliches. And a lot of the time, I feel like that doesn't work for me, even though I'm an avid horror fan and I know all the horror cliches, it gets kind of repetitive. Yet, for some reason, this one was so not meta, but self-aware that I found it incredibly charming. It, It plays into the cliches so much that... When they kind of reveal the twist of the film, I could have sworn that had already been established earlier. Why wouldn't they do that? Of course it's going to go in that direction. <laughs> I dug this, but it's not for everybody. It really is. If if you're geeking out about horror, you're going to have a good time maybe getting some friends over, getting some beers. I mean, if you can have friends, I don't know what the situation is like. And just kind of laughing along with this movie because it's having a good time and i feel like if you're into it you could too i give this my heart almost wants to say a five out of five just because it plays into everything i like but my brain is telling me no no pull back because ultimately it's a three and a half i think we're largely on the same page i don't know if it's a watch with a whole group of friends unless that group of friends are the people who also love the films that this is all referencing and i don't mean that person who's like i've seen evil dead too i mean the people who've seen the burning i'm talking about that crowd of horror fans who are like yes okay i get all the deep cut references here because this is despite its mentioning of more prominent movies it's really pulling from the less prominent movies the slightly more obscure but still very popular for horror movie fans at that point period of time and i think that's great it makes this movie really enjoyable i do think it overplayed its hand on the black goo and at the end you're like it ended exactly how you thought it was going to in the beginning but only sort of like i said earlier it kind of wants to be every type of ending at once and and i guess it succeeds in its way i found it very entertaining overall and like you guys all said it's so pretty it's so well done i liked it I'm going to give this 7 out of 10 underwater nudity scenes. 
I kept thinking the whole time, because I, I was unfamiliar with everybody in this movie. All I could think of for the lead actress, I just kept thinking of her as Jennifer Lawrence's less confident younger sister. Yeah, I can like, see that. That's all I could get. Norwegian yep. Jennifer Lawrence. There you go. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence. Yennefer Lawrence. 